Father in heaven, we just want to thank you, Father, for this morning once again. We are in your house. Lord, your word says, uh, the unfolding of your word brings light. And therefore this morning, I pray, Lord, that you would unfold your word. Make your word clear to us even more this morning. Speak to our hearts. Lord, as you promised us in the new covenant, that Lord, that you would write your laws by the finger of the Holy Spirit. Not in tables of stone that are outside, but on the tables of our heart. And that you would Cause us to walk in your ways, that you teach us your ways. Your anointing that we receive from you as a gift will teach us all things and will lead us into all truth. And your word says, O Lord, even as we know the truth, the truth will set us even more free from the grip and the power of sin. Lord, that you will continuously prepare us by the washing of water by the word, that you would prepare us into that spotless bride without spot or wrinkle, blameless, to present us unto yourself and therefore wash us by your word. Make us a little more cleaner in our spirit that we will truly cleanse ourselves of every filthiness of the flesh and of the spirit and we will strive towards Perfection, perfecting the holiness in the fear of the Lord. To that end, I pray that you would anoint the meditation of today's word. Speak to us, strengthen us, sanctify us, separate us, and empower us by faith to walk in your will. We thank you, we praise you, we give you glory. For in Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. So, morning we'll still uh, look at the cross. Cross is something which we cannot ever exhaust. The cross for me, the cross in me. See, all of us like the cross for me. Very few of us will embrace the cross in me. But unless until we embrace the cross in us, we will truly not be... um, Ready, uh, truly will not experience the life of Christ flowing through us. Because he says, the life that I now live, I live by faith in the Son of God, of the Son of God who died for me and he gave himself for me, that says Paul in Galatians chapter 2 verse 20. But before he says that, he says, I have been crucified with Christ. That is remarkable. He says, it is through the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ that the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. I died to the world and the world is dead to me. So the cross has to do its work in our hearts. And that is important. The cross for me and the cross in me. We can go to several passages, but look at the central theme of all the apostles, but I'm going to cite a few words, verses to set the premise. First Corinthians chapter 1, familiar for all of us. We've been looking at it in different contexts. But we preach Christ crucified to the Jews, a stumbling block. Stumbling block means an offense. They get offended. And to the Greeks, it is foolishness. But... To those who are called, we are all called. 
And the call of God over our lives was really powerful. It's like Lazarus. Come forth. And Lazarus came out. That was the call of God. And all of us who have been called of God, both Jews and Greeks, Christ is the power of God and he is the wisdom of God. Right? The message of the cross is foolishness. Other translations will use. Uh, other verses will say. Galatians chapter 3 verse 1. This is Paul um, warning the Galatian church if they lose sight of the cross. This is what he says. O foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? Who has bewitched you that you should not obey the truth? Okay. If you are under the realm of witchcraft, you are not obeying obedient anymore. Your rebellion. That's the reason why it says rebellion is a sin of witchcraft. Okay. So, O foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you that you should not obey the truth, before whose eyes Jesus Christ was clearly portrayed among you as crucified. Now, that's remarkable. Now, this is just not talking about the preaching of Paul. When Paul was living among the Galatians, he was telling them and he was confessing to them, among you, what I preached and what how I lived are exactly the same. Among you, through my life, I clearly portrayed as Christ crucified. And I clearly spoke the cross through my life and through my teaching. That is the reason why he tells the church at Ephesus before he's leaving, he says, for three and a half years I preached to you the whole counsel of God and I did not shun from speaking to you anything which is profitable to you from house to house with tears. I spoke to you and I'm not guilty of any man's blood. Why? Because through his life, it's just not his teaching, but it's the demonstration of the message through the life of Paul. He says, through my very life, among you I lived and I demonstrated what is uh, the cross through the way I lived. That's what he's telling the Galatian church. 3.1. Again, Ephesians chapter 2. Again, the cross comes. And that he might reconcile them both to God. Who's these both? The Jews and the Greeks and the Gentiles. In one body through the cross. That's the reason why we will never, I mean, think about it, no? What are the odds? What are the odds that uh, Bhanuteja and Vijay Takota will be in the same church? I mean, we'll, we'll be brothers in Christ. What are the odds? Think about it. It's impossible. We haven't, I mean, maybe only Vizag is common. Now think about it. It's impossible to even conceive the fact that we can all be a part of one body. It's impossible. And that, that happened because of the cross. Okay. Thereby putting to death the enmity. So crosses, like you can never ever exhaust the study of the cross. It is, it is the crux of Christianity. The crux in the, the word crux comes from the word cross again. Right. The crux of the matter, the centrality, if you will. Central, it's the vector points of space and time upon which the entire message of God um, uh, is, is based upon. Colossians chapter 2 again, verse 14 onwards. Having wiped out the handwriting of the requirements that was against us, which was contrary to us, and he has taken it out of the way, having nailed it to the cross. See that? The cross again. It's because... God, uh, Jesus Christ on the cross took away the guilt and the shame, the, the, the penalty of sin was taken away. He became completely naked on the cross. He exposed himself. He was completely, I mean, he was made shame. You know, remember those uh, teachings that we heard. He was made into a shame so that we can be covered by God, by the righteousness of God. Having disarmed the principalities and powers, what and what was the what was the armor, the uh, the 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 weapon of the enemy? It was accusation, it was slander, it was it was it was putting guilt into us. So that was completely disarmed. Again, Philippians chapter three. Look at what he's talking about. Again, uh, how important the cross is. Verse seventeen, brethren, join 
in following my example. Why? Because right in your midst, I proclaimed what is what is this to be, uh, what what it is to exp- uh, to experience the cross, uh, to live out the cross experientially, in every moment of your life, in your, in in every decision of your life. Say so. Just not not only follow me. Look at my pattern and look at all the like patterns and follow those people. Okay. So cross is just not a message. You can only articulate the cross as much as you have experienced it in your own life. The depth of the cross is directly proportional to the experience that you have, that you have allowed God to work the work of cross in your life. Okay. So for many walk of whom I have told you often and now tell you, even weeping, that they are the enemies of the cross. You see that? The cross becomes central. And all the apostles preached cross. Jesus Christ whom you crucified, God has made both Lord and Savior was Peter's first sermon. And his life again was completely um, surrounded uh, or rather uh, centered around, his message was centered around the cross. So today we look at uh, not just Pauline letters, <laughs> we look at the Peter's letters, okay? Uh, let, let us look at uh, how Peter describes uh, the cross and let us see what the cross has, does, has done for me, Jesus Christ on the cross, what he has done for me and how do we appropriate that cross in our lives. Let us look at a few verses and that will be the, the theme for today's teaching. First Peter chapter 2, verse 18. Servants, be submissive to your masters with all fear, not only to the good and gentle, but also to the harsh. For this is commendable, if because of conscience towards God, one endures grief, suffering wrongfully. Goes on. For what credit credit is it, if when you are beaten for your faults, you take it patiently? But when you do good and suffer, if you take it patiently, this is commendable before God. Goes on to say, for to this you were called. Because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that you should follow in his footsteps. This is the way of the cross. You know, he's describing the cross. Okay. These are, this is what Jesus Christ did. He's, 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 he's summarizing uh, the cross in a few lines. And look at what he says, verse 22 onwards. It says, verse 22, who, was, who committed no sin, nor was deceit found in his mouth or guile found in his mouth. Other translations will use the word guile. I like the word guile. Who, when he was reviled, did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten, but committed himself to him who judges righteously. The ESV translation will use, uh, entrusted himself continuously to the one who judges righteously. And then he goes on to say, who himself bore our sins in his own body on the tree. You see that the cross coming there. The tree. Uh, Cursed is a man who hangs on the tree. This is Deuteronomy chapter 23. Yes, Pastor was looking at that. Who himself bore our sins in his own body on the tree that we having died to sins. Now that is what the cross has done for us. And now what the cross has to do in us. Okay. We having died to sins might live for righteousness by whose stripes you were healed. For you were like sheep going astray. The word for astray is deceived. Okay, you've been deceived. You've been going, you're choosing your own direction. You've been, you, you strayed away from the path that God has shown for you. That is the reason why he says, you err because, you go astray because you do not know the scriptures, nor the power of God. The same word, we have gone astray, but now you have returned to the shepherd and the overseer of your 
souls. So this is essentially how Peter summarizes the cross. The cross for us and the cross in us. So let us try to summarize First um, uh, Peter chapter 2 verses 18 onwards, 18 to 25 into 10 simple statements. Okay, 10 statements. Okay, 10 statements so that we'll understand and analyze those 10 statements and apply it in our, into our own life. First Peter chapter 2. First, he's talking about Jesus. Verse 22. He committed no sin. Jesus Christ committed no sin. Okay. Meaning, what is sin? If whenever you lose, you miss the mark of God, you have fallen into sin. That means he always, every time met the righteous requirements of God. The standards of God were met through his life completely. The letter and the spirit of the Lord were completely fulfilled in Jesus Christ. I told you, you know, the example of that guy. He, he went into a field and then he saw arrows and hit all the arrows are, are, are on the bullseye. Several arrows. And he asked the farmer, who's this excellent marksman? He said, this guy is not an excellent marksman. He just shot random arrows and after that he put bullseye around them. That is a lot, lot of people. Everybody, they, they shoot an arrow and then say that is excellent. The standards of God. Okay. The standards of God, that is the reason why it says there is only one standard. Proverbs chapter 11 verse, 11, verse 1 will say that. No, you don't have to turn there. It says, all the stones and the and the weights are God's. Every other thing is an unjust scale and balance. Unjust scale and balance. Okay. First thing, he did not commit any sin. The way of the cross. To commit, not commit sin, you have to embrace the cross. Second, there was no deceit or guile in his mouth. That is the reason why he just did not fulfill the letter, but also the spirit. Okay. Third, when he was reviled, he did not revile in return. Fourth, when he suffered, he did not threaten. Fifth, he completely entrusted himself to the one who judges righteously, meaning he never tried to vindicate himself. Okay. Then, the next statement, he bore our sins in his own body, on the tree, okay, specifically. So that, now, so that we having died to sins might live for righteousness. Third, before we live for righteousness, this, there's a statement, there's a, there's a hyphen, okay. By his stripes, we are healed. We've been healed by the very work of Jesus Christ on the cross. And therefore, we can uh, live a life of righteousness having died to sins. Then, we, we were all people who are gone astray. We no longer go astray. Now we come back to the straight and narrow path. How do we do that? Having returned to our shepherd and the overseer of the souls. Having So we come back and say, Lord, I come under your lordship. I submit myself completely and my uh, and, and willingly to the lordship and the leading of the shepherd of my soul. You sing that song, no? Shepherd of my soul. I give you. Ah, yeah, very good, very good. Huh? That does come out of your mouth. Okay. Full control. <laughs> really? <laughs> okay. I full control. Okay. I hope so. Alright. That's the reason why Toza said, no, Christians don't speak lies. They sing lies. Okay. Now we return to the shepherd and the overseer of our souls. In that we say, Lord, you are my shepherd. I hear your voice. I go out at your leading. I come back at your leading. I go in and I go out and I find pasture. I lead, I'm sorry, I'm led by you and I'm being moved by you. So that is essentially how this entire uh, passage, I mean, 18 to 25 verses have been summarized. So if 
What Jesus has, has done for us on the cross, he says, follow the same footsteps of Jesus. Embrace the same footsteps. We have to just walk just the way Jesus walked. So if we have to walk just the way Jesus walked, we have to embrace the same path that he, that he embraced. Right? So how does the cross work in us? Five statements again. We do not sin, Gadu. We begin to overcome sin and begin to meet the standards of God in increasing measure. First, if we, if the cross has done its work in our lives. Second, we become increasingly transparent and gullless. Nobody can say I am without guile today. That is the biggest lie. Third, we overcome reviling. Reviling is essentially criticism. Harsh criticism. We'll come to that later. We embrace suffering. And fifth one, the most difficult of all, we will allow all vindication into, really? And that is when we have known that the cross has done its work in our, in our lives. So let us see each and every statement. How do we check? How do we, how do we see if the cross has indeed done his work, its work in our lives? First, we begin, begin to overcome sin and begin to meet the standards of God in increasing measure. So let me tell you something. There will be an increasing sensitivity to sin. Okay. Okay. You're no longer careless. You take sin seriously. You fight sin. Why? Why does it happen? Because you have been born of God. And when you are born of God, what happens? Okay. That is the reason why First Peter chapter 1 will say, God according to his great mercy has caused us to be born again into a living hope. How? Through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. That is, that is tomorrow's message, right? Through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, what has happened? We have been given new births on the other side of the cross. The new birth. So what has happened if the cross has done its work in our lives? There's something that happens. You, we are born again. Truly something of God has been implanted to us. The seed of God remains in us. The seed of the word of God. The seed that has been, that has been implanted. That is the reason why it says, and with meekness receive the implanted, the, the implanted word which is able to save your souls. 1 John chapter 3. Look at what it says. We know this verse very well. This is for our remembrance. He who sins is of the devil. Okay? If you are sinning, my, my, these are these are statements, Baba. You, you cannot just uh, uh, he who sins of the devil. That means if I am sinning, something we should really question. Okay, for the devil has sinned from the beginning. Now this is basically continuing to sin. Okay, you're not you're careless about sin. Doesn't mean that you you never fall. Okay, this is your you have a careless attitude about sinning. Has sinned from the beginning. For this purpose, the Son of God has been manifested that He might destroy the works of the devil. And what are the works of the devil? That He empowers you to sin. Verse nine. For he who has been born of God does not sin. Other translation will use, will use the word will not go on sinning. There will be an end. There will be a, a, a level of overcoming that that happens happens in you because for his seed, what is the seed? The word of God remains in you. The nature of God, because you've been born of God, that very nature of God remains in you. That is the reason why it says, unless you are born from above, you cannot see, and unless you are born of the spirit and of the water, you cannot word in the water and the spirit, you cannot enter into the 
kingdom of God. So, he whoever has been born of God does not sin. What a remarkable statement that is. For his seed remains in him. And then second word, he cannot sin. That, that seed which is born of God, that spirit which is born of God cannot sin. It doesn't, it has, it hates sin. It's got the very nature of Christ. He loves righteousness and he hated lawlessness. Okay. Because he has been born of God. So that is the, that is, that is something which you, we have to realize this is a new identity in Christ. Okay. This is our new identity in Christ. Just like Jesus was tempted in all areas, but he never sinned. He, he resisted unto shedding of blood against, in his fight against sin. Okay. So he, therefore he became the author of eternal salvation. He's able to save to the uttermost those who come by faith to him, he says. So, how does this happen? Romans chapter 6 verse 14. For sin shall not have dominion over you. That's what he told Cain. If you do well, you will be accepted. Else, sin is crouching at the door. His desire is for you, but you shall overcome it. You have to overcome. You have to overpower it. You have to master it. Master him, in other words. And the Bible says clearly, sin will not have dominion over you. It's a promise. For you are no, no longer under law, but under grace. Okay. If you're under grace, then you will overcome sin. But before you have 14, you have 12 and 13. So what happens in 12 and 13? Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body that you should not obey its lust. Why? Because sin is not having any dominion over you. That's your reality. Do not present your members as instruments of unrighteousness to sin, but present yourselves to God as being alive from the dead and your members as instruments of righteousness to God. Because sin has no dominion over you. This is, these are, these are, these are, these are truths which we have to embrace and we'll, we'll come to that. How do we do this? Do this. And verse 17, Romans chapter 6, verse 17 onwards. But God be thanked. Though you were slaves of sin, what has happened? How did, how are, how, how are you able to overcome sin? Yet you obeyed from where? From the heart. You see, that is the reason why the new covenant says, I will take away the heart of stone. I will give you a new heart. I will put my, I will give you a new mind. I will give you a new spirit. And I will begin to write my laws on the tables of your heart. So you begin to obey from where? From your heart. That form of teaching. And before, when you begin to obey that form of teaching, what happens? You get delivered from the power of sin increasingly and you become a slave of righteousness. See, ultimately what has to happen is that your heart has to change. Has to has to be changed. Okay. See, if your nature hasn't changed, then you're truly not born again. Born again is just not a label. Just imagine I have a have a you know in 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 uh, in, in the in if you go to Starbucks and all these places, sugar is not served in granules like cubes. They're, they're served in Real yeah, powder, right? Now, if let, just imagine if you, if you have a salt is also like powder. White salt, right? Just because I change the label of salt and I put sugar in it on top of it, its nature doesn't change. Salt remains salt. So just born again means it doesn't mean that you're, now you're clothed with the righteousness of Jesus. Nothing has happened. No. Something has happened inside. Nature has changed. Some new nature is born. And that nature does not want to sin. It hates sin. It gets convicted of sin. Okay. 
and it wants to fulfill the righteousness, uh, righteous standard of God. Okay, so that is something which you need to realize. So, yet you obeyed from where? From the heart. You see, the heart has to change. Everything is from the heart. So, the, so what happens through the teaching? God begins to write the laws of God in the tables of your heart. So, how does He change? How does He change your heart? Mark's Gospel, chapter seven, verse fifteen. This is what Jesus has to say. There is nothing that enters a man from outside that can defile him. But the things that come out from him are those things that are that defile a man. If anyone has ears to hear, let him hear. So the disciples did not understand. So Peter asked, please sir, tell me the interpretation of this parable. So when he entered into the house from the crowd, his disciples asked him concerning the parable. And he said, are you thus without understanding? Do you not perceive that whatever enters a man from outside cannot defile a man? Because it does not enter his heart, but his stomach and is eliminated, thus purifying all foods. So what purifies all foods? (laughs) Yes, your stomach, okay. You see, it's the heart. Okay. Let me tell you something, no? If you do not, the, the way of righteousness is actually easy. It is difficult to be a sinner. It is difficult to be a deceiver. Because it says, no, you can, you can fool some people all the time. Some, some people, uh, all people sometime, but not all people, all that you will be found out. Numbers 32, 32, 23 will say, be sure your sin will find you out. It is a reveal, revealer. See, ultimately everything will be revealed. What is the revealer? Time. Give it some time. The true nature will come out. I mean, sometimes you have to give a lot of time. <laughs> and it will come out eventually. Okay. That is the reason why Proverbs chapter 13, verse 15 will say, good understanding gives favor, but the way of transgressors is hard. <laughs> if you transgress, it is hard. It's not easy. A person with good sense is respected. A treacherous person is headed for destruction. 12.15 Proverbs, the way of the fool is right in his own eyes, but he hearkeneth unto counsel who is wise. Proverbs chapter 16 verse 2. All a man's ways are pure in his own eyes, but his motives are weighed out by the Lord. Verse 25. There is a way that seems right to a man, but its end is the way of death. It's a heart. Okay. 1920. Hear counsel and receive instruction that you may be wise. When? At the latter end. Okay. Genesis chapter 6. This is what the condition of the heart was during the time of Noah. Then the Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth and that every intent of the thoughts of his heart was only evil. How? Continually. And he was sorry that he made man on the earth and he was grieved where? In his heart. Hebrews chapter 8 will say this. For this is the covenant that I make with those, with the house of Israel after those days, says the Lord. I will put my laws in their mind. And I will write them on their hearts. And I will be their God. And they shall be my people. I I missed something very important here. I wanted to show you something so, so, so important. And I completely lost it. Uh, Just a minute, please. This is Roman. uh, This is Mark's Gospel, chapter 7. And a very important verse. Just a minute. Let me just put that here. Before I forget. From within the heart comes what? Evil thoughts. What comes? 
evil thoughts. Second, what, what, what comes? Adulteries. Okay. What comes from the heart? Thoughts. That's the center core of your being. Okay. Because every thought and the intention of, of the human heart was what? Only evil continually. And what comes? Adultery. What is adultery? Mixed. Double-minded. That's what it says, no? You, it says friendship with the world is enmity with God. Friendship with the world is enmity with God. Sorry, he says cleanse your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts, you. Double-minded. So even your loyalties are divided. Half in the world and half in the kingdom of God. That doesn't, doesn't, doesn't work. That's exactly what happened to the Laudation Church. What did they become? They became lukewarm, right? Remember, lukewarm. See, Adam and Eve, when they sinned and they covered themselves with uh, fig leaves, and it says the God, the Lord God came to Adam and Eve when? During the cool of the day. So the Holy Spirit is generally cool. So if you are cold, and if cool wind flows over you, what happens to you? You will shiver. So if you are cold, and the Holy Spirit comes onto you, you will be convicted. You will shiver. Remember? <laughs> you will shiver. That means exactly you will not be comfortable. You will become miserable. But if you are warm, you are hot for God, and the cool wind of the Holy Spirit comes on you, what happens to you? You will be refreshed. But if you are lukewarm, what is the situation if you are lukewarm? You are neither cold nor... There is no conviction. That is the reason why Jesus said to Laodicean Church, I want to sp- what? spew you out of my mouth. Literally, he says that. Because I would rather that you would be hot or cold. If you are lukewarm, then you don't have conviction. And what is the first purpose of the Holy Spirit? Is to convict you of sin. And he cannot convict you anymore. So that is adulteries. And what is fornication? Fornication, it says in Hebrews chapter 12, he says, Lest there be any fornicator or profane person like who? Like Esau, who for one morsel of food, what did he do? He gave away his birthright. What is the essence of fornication? The essence of fornication is when you will give weightage to what? Temporal things and temporal pressures than to eternal things and eternal pressures. That is fornication. That is the, that is the essence of fornication. And then murders. Okay. And the Bible says if you are angry with your, with a, with a, with your brother without cause, you already what? Murdered him. Thefts. All kinds of thefts are there. In in companies it happens. Lot of people steal their neighbor's ideas and they say it is mine. I did it. Intellectual property theft. I mean, I'm not, I'm not, I I, I like the, I like citations. It's, It's good to cite somebody else's work. Otherwise you're stealing. You become in China. I mean, Chaitanya Narayana, okay. <laughs> Thefts. That is the reason why he says, the person who sto- stole should not steal anymore. What, what should he do? He should work with his own hands so that he'll have something to give to somebody. We, can, we steal in different ways. We steal time. We steal from God. By not giving to God what belongs to God. Okay. Remember that's, that story that um, the man came to, I think, Pastor John Hagee and he said, uh, Pastor, please can you pray for my financial breakthrough? Then, uh, okay, before I pray, can I ask you a question? Hagi asked. He says, yeah, do you pay your tithes? He said, uh, no, pastor, I did not pay my tithes. Then he said, the Bible says, the person who does not pay, pay tithes robs God, but I don't want to pray, pray for a thief. Thefts, covetousness. You see, 
covetousness. We want to covet. I mean, one of the biggest things is covetousness, envy. We want somebody else's things. Covet somebody else's whatever. Whatever it that that person has and you don't have it in you think that you should that you are you are more deserving than the other person and God is not fair. It all started there. Where? From in heaven. Covetousness. Wickedness. We know what wickedness is iniquity. It's a very it's a very um the the, the, the essence of the enemy. It's the the word come, the come, comes from the Greek word poneria, which come from which we get the word poneros, from which we get the word evil one. Who is that wicked one? Devil himself, poneros. Deception, guile. Where does it come from? It comes from the heart. Lewdness. What is lewdness? There's no control. There's no self-control. You know, yesterday I went to Metro. No, I went the, other, the other day I went to Metro, and I was just glancing through all the uh, all the places. And there is one place where it says wines and spirits. <laughs> and I was shocked when I looked at this. I looked at that uh, counter. Wines and spirits. Wines meaning glass of wine. Spirits are details. After that, you do not know what has entered into you. Wines and spirits. So you can purchase spirits from Metro. <laughs> Lewdness. Lasciviousness, other translations will use what? Meaning unbridled lusts. There's no self-control. You keep on eating, 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 without self without control anymore. But because you want to overcome stress. An evil eye. The eye, that is the reason why it says the eye is the lamp of the body. And if the eye is gone, if the lamp is gone, and if the light in you is darkness, what is that? How great is the darkness? Blasphemy. What is blasphemy? Blasphemy is shaming and slandering the name of God. That is the reason why it says do not take the name of the of the Lord thy God in vain is the second commandment. Or the third commandment if I am right. Thou shalt not take the name of the Lord thy God in vain. That means what? What is blasphemy? You're shaming and slandering and bringing disrepute to the name of God. Where does it come from? It comes from the heart. Pride and foolishness. Pride is where? It's a matter of the heart. That is the reason why the heart of the matter is the matter of the heart. And in that context, he says, who is a fool? A, who, a fool is a person who's Right in his own eyes, I told you, right? The, the way of transgressors is hard. The fool of a, the way of a fool is right in his own eyes. But he that hearkens unto counsel, he is wise. It's all coming there from the heart. So how do you overcome the sin? By obeying from the heart. If you have a new nature, your obedience comes from the heart. You're not, you're not uh, obeying just to please men. You're, it comes from the heart. We'll come to that later on. We come to some very serious, serious matters which, which, which are important for us to consider, especially in these last days. All men's ways are pure in their own eyes, but his motives are weighed out by the Lord. There is a way that seems right to a man, but its end is death. 1625 Proverbs. Hear counsel and receive instruction that you may be wise in your Latter end. You don't understand it now. But you will understand it later. Then God saw that the wickedness of man was great. That every intent of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. You see. That is the reason why the Bible says it is important for us to be either cold or hot. If you are cold, then the conviction of the Holy Spirit will be there. And if you are hot, the comfort of the Holy Spirit will be there. But if you are lukewarm, but that day, when before God, you will not be lukewarm. When the judgment comes, when the judgment happens, remember what happened to Belshazzar? The finger of God came and it started 
writing on the wall and something very interesting is mentioned about Belshazzar. He says his countenance changed. Second, it says that his thoughts began to trouble him. What, 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 what is that? Your countenance changed, first thing. Thoughts begin to trouble you. Second thing. Third thing, his loins got loosed. That is a euphemism for he needed a diaper. And fourth thing, his knees started to knock against each other. He was completely terrified by the writing on the wall. That's exactly what is going to happen. In the last day when God is going to write all our kalachita on the screen, our countenance will change. Our thoughts will begin to trouble us. Who can stand? That is the reason why it says, save us from the wrath of the Lamb. He says, mountains fall upon us, rocks fall upon us, change us from the, save us from the wrath of the Lamb. Therefore, he says that he's going to write his law. In the new covenant, he's going to write his law on the doorposts of our, I mean, on the, on the, on the tables of our heart by the Holy Spirit. Okay, this is the new covenant. So how do we, how do we actually begin to do this? How do we begin to overcome sin? You know, sin is essentially, you know, this, 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 this deception in our heart. We have to be increasingly transparent and guileless before God. Okay. That is the second thing. See, this is, this is a fundamental, fundamental thing. Because it says, blessed is a man whose transgressions is forgiven, whose sins are covered, and blessed is a man in whose spirit there is no Guile, Psalm 32, right? In whose spirit there is no deceit or guile. John's Gospel chapter 1. Jesus saw Nathaniel coming to him and says to him, Behold an Israelite indeed, in whom there is no guile. Truly an Israelite. It means there is false Israelite too. In whom there is no deceit or guile. So that is important. Guilelessness. Not to pretend before God. That's the reason why it says in Hebrews chapter 4, the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing of the uh, sound of the soul and the spirit and the joints and the marrow of the heart and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents. And you cannot hide from him. You cannot hide from him. You cannot pretend before him. Right? Jeremiah chapter 17, the heart is deceitful about all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? I, the Lord, search the heart. So how how do we how do we become that like increasingly uh, guy? So you sh- you should understand the nature of guile first before we overcome it. You know, what is that? The heart is what? And what is the word word for deceit? We all know it. Everybody knows it. What is the net, what is the word for deceit in the Hebrew? The heart is deceitful. Anybody knows? Remembers? Heart is like Jacob. Yeah, the heart is Jacob, Yaakov. <laughs> okay, let us look at Jacob and see the nature of guile. It's very important. It's a very interesting. You have a principle in the new covenant and you see the how this nature pans on and why why should why it is important for us to overcome guile. You should see how dangerous deception and guile is. And in, the interesting thing is, by, by, God says that I loved who? Jacob and Esau I have hated. Look at Look at one instant in Jacob's Jacob's life. This is Genesis chapter 27. So this is after Isaac says to Esau, go and hunt. What? Venetian for me, game for me and feed me and I'm going to bless you. So Esau is off. And who's hearing? Rebecca is hearing. And immediately she calls Jacob. And she says, verse 9 onwards, go now to the flock and bring from there Two choice kids of goat. And I will make savory food from them for your father. Such as he loves. What did Esau ask him? To go and hunt. What did she say? Get two goats. And I will make 
that goat tastes like Esau's food. I mean, this is incredible, no? If you, if girls have the capacity to make anything taste like what his husband likes. I mean, my mother, mother-in-law, right? If you go, she, she, she has a uncanny ability to make food taste consistent, no? Even if it is chicken curry, the gravy will taste like mutton. Even if it is beef, it will taste like mutton. Okay. Anything, she can change it <laughs> to taste like what the husband likes, no? Just, but it's very difficult to do that with me because I like only sambar. It's very... <laughs> So, it's very difficult to make, it's very difficult to make, uh, mutton taste like, uh, you know, they tried it in Hyderabad, they call it dal, dalcha, by the way. But that is only a semblance, no? <laughs> so she says, I'm gonna make it like he loves. Then you should take it to your father, that he may eat it, and that he may bless you before he dies. Now look at the, look at, look at the answer of, uh, uh answer, Shh, guys, okay. Be careful, okay? Don't speak, okay? okay? Pay attention. Coco, just leave. Just, just concentrate, okay? Thank you. So look at, look at the, look at, look at Jacob's answer, okay? The, Jacob's answer is incredibly revealing. I mean, I, I, I'm stunned the, the way he answers his, his objections. He makes his objections. The objection of Jacob is remarkable. The objection of a deceiver. Okay, this is what he says. Carefully. Jacob said to Rebecca, his mother, look, Esau, my brother, is hairy man. And I'm a smooth-skinned man. No, he is not objecting. Mama, this is not right. He's not saying that. I mean, this idea is fantastic. But how are we going to execute? Exactly. <laughs> how are we going to execute this idea? I mean, a fantastic plot, Baba. How are you going to execute? I mean, I remember this movie, you know. <laughs> this thief comes into, uh, he breaks into the, into the, into the home. And everybody is actually awake. And suddenly they look at this thief. And, uh, and he says, uh, who are you? He says, I'm a thief. Okay, okay. So, he says, uh, okay, how, I mean, they, they have a conversation. This is a conversation with a thief. And they ask this guy, right, uh, what do you do in the morning? He says, uh, physical fitness, yoga, exercise. <laughs> and he says, why? Sir, you are a software engineer. You can, you can afford to sleep, but I have to run if I'm being chased and I have to be physically fit to run. What is the reason for physical fitness? So that I can run. How to execute this plan? See, the thief is a thief. He will never change. That's what I told you. The nature has to change. Just because you put sugar, I mean, there's salt in it and you change the label and put sugar on it, doesn't become sugar. Mama, the fantastic plan, Mama. But how are we going to execute it? I'm, brother is hairy. I'm smooth skin. Look at the statement of Jacob. I'm, I'm, I'm stunned. I'm stunned. Look at this statement. We, we all have to see ourselves here. You know, this is very convicting. It's a finger of God pointing at the nature of man. Perhaps my father will feel me. Perhaps my father will feel me and I shall seem. I'm not worried that I'm a deceiver. I don't want to be shown or seem like a deceiver. Can you, can you imagine? What's your name? Deceiver. But I don't want to. <laughs> I don't want to seem like a deceiver. See, that is exactly the premise. The fantastic plan, fantastic idea, 
but i don't want to seem like a thief that is how he starts off i do not want to seem like a deceiver the problem here is this no rebecca is prosperity gospel preacher look at what she does but his mother said let your curse be upon me my son only obey my voice and go and get them and he went out got them brought them to his mother and his mother made savory food such as his father loved you see let me tell you something men have to lead you have to be strong you have to be men you may have weaknesses but you are let your character not be lost because of that the people can be you can be manipulated in that weakness in that area look at what she does then rebecca took the choice clothes of the elder son isa which were in the house put them on jacob because jacob said mama i don't want to seem like a deceiver now what am i going to do i'm not going to change your nature i'm not going to change your nature jacob i'm not going to, i'm going to continue to make you continue to be a deceiver but i'm going to change you externally externally i'm going to change your appearance so that you will seem like a righteous man interesting right uh, in matthew chapter 22 if i'm right that guy enters uh, into the kingdom of heaven without his uh, wedding garments now how did he enter into a wedding without the wedding garments everybody came so at the at the door people have, people would have seen right people would have seen see them coming so in other words like just like everybody he also seemed to have what the garments of righteousness so to speak but when he came to jesus jesus looked at him and he said hey where are your garments and the bible says he was he was speechless that means the the word for speechless is was muzzled he couldn't answer back he was completely shocked he was able to fool everybody but he was not able to fool god huh that is the reason that the bible says in romans chapter 2 you will be inexcusable oh man if you are judging others you who judge others you are doing the same things you don't know your heart is deceitful about all things and desperately wicked externally i can change you it's interesting isn't it rebecca is like false doctrine that empowers your deception and doesn't change your nature it empowers your iniquity and never challenges your integrity two gospels it's dangerous ship and and which which were in the in our house and put them on jacob her youngest son and she put skins of the kids on the on of the goats on his hand and on the smooth part of his neck then she gave the savory food and the bread and she that she had prepared and she gave into the hand of her son jacob you know what she is doing she is completely emboldening him to sin now he is going to sin and lie without a conscience his conscience is not going to bother him he can go directly to his father the one who was trembling to go before the presence of his father now he goes because he's been emboldened by an authority figure let me tell you my dear brothers and sisters we have children through our lives we can empower their iniquity or empower their integrity what do we do what do we do to our children 
What kind of a lives do we live? Are we transparent and honest before them when we live in our homes? Are we quick to, 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 to confess our own, our own frailties and our weaknesses and say, you know what, what dad did is wrong. Forgive me. Or do we pretend? Because they see us. And if we pretend, they will also pretend. If we have guile, they will also have guile. What is Rebecca doing? She's empowering the sin of Jacob. And what is, what is, what is he going to do? He's going to lie. How many times? How many times? Five times. Because he's been emboldened now. Look at what he does. This is what Mark's Gospel chapter 7. This is the doctrine of Rebecca. Verse 5. Then the Pharisees and the scribes asked him, why walk, why don't you walk, uh, why walk not thy disciples according to the tradition of the elders, but eat bread with unwashed hands? He answered and said to them, well has Isaiah prophesied of, of you, what? Hypocrites. As it is written, this people honor me with their lips, but their heart is far. And what do they do? How be it in vain do they worship me, teaching for doctrines, the commandments of for laying aside the commandment of God, he hold the tradition of men as a washing of pots and cups and many other such like, like things you do. And he said to them, full well, you reject the commandment of God that he may keep your traditions. See, it's, in, it's remarkable now if you read, I mean, a couple of days back we were looking at uh, the ark which was in Shiloh, the, the tabernacle which was in Shiloh. But the ark was where? In Jerusalem. The trappings of religion in Shiloh People are just going there happily, performing all the religious activities in, 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 in the, in the, in the so-called tabernacle without the ark, without the presence of God. But the presence of God has already moved to somebody, somebody else's house. And from there to somebody else's house. But these traditions are keep, have, have, are, are continuing. Why? Because there is no, there is no reality. There is no reality. The heart has not changed. The heart is continuous, is continuously deceptive. Now look at what happens to Jacob. Look at how he lies. The five lies he says. So he went to his father. He said, my father. And he said, here am I. Who are you, my son? Look at this. Jacob said, first line. I, Esau, your firstborn. Line number one. I have done just as you told me. Line number two. He didn't tell you anything. <laughs> I mean, it's interesting, right? Rebecca and Jacob should have gone to their father and said, Father, this is unfair. You want to give the blessing to this guy just because he's feeding you? Come on. There's no reasoning over here. There's only deception. Please arise, sit and eat off my game. Who made that game for you? So conscience is not even bothering him. Look, line number three. That your soul may bless me. But Isaac said, how is it that you have found it so quickly, my son? Because the Lord, your God, not my God. You see now, what is he doing? He is getting the Lord into it. The Lord told me. Now, if the Lord told me, if you, see, there is, there is no argument for Lord telling you. The Lord brought it so quickly. The Lord gave me success. But what did he do? Complete deception. Line number four. You bring the Lord into it to justify your actions. And look at this next one. I mean, this is incredible. Isaac said to Jacob, please come near that I may feel you, my son. Whether you are really my son Esau 
or not. You see what has happened now? He is not trembling anymore. He didn't say, Father, please, Father, forgive me, Father. By this time, at least, you know, if the, if the, if the, if the child was there, he would have broken down. This guy is completely boldened. You know why? Because there was an authority figure in his life who has boldened him in his sin. So Jacob went near to Isaac, his father, and he felt him and said, the voice is still Jacob's voice, but the hands are the hands of Esau. And he did not recognize him because his hands were hairy like his brother, brother's Esau's hands. So he blessed him and finally, finally, look at this. One last opportunity for him to come clean. Look at the next verse. Then he said to him, are you? Really, my son? You see, God always gives you chances, okay? You, he, you do lie after lie after lie after lie after lie. And there's one last chance. Are you really so? What has happened now? Your conscience is completely boldened and you completely lie without impunity. He says, I am. You know, you got, did you get the blessing? Of course you got the blessing. At least technically, theoretically you got the blessing. Are you able to enjoy your blessing? No, that's the reason why the Bible says, if the Lord blesses a man, what does he do? He will not add any sorrow or trouble to it. Now, what has happened to him? Trouble. Trouble after trouble after trouble. And it says, behold, he got up and it was Leah. That's what happens to him. Behold, he got up in the morning and who was she? And you know what he goes and tells Laban? How is it that you beguiled me? Hello, hello, Jacob, Jacob, Jacob. What did you do? What did you do? You see, that's exactly how we, we also do, no? We all have these external trappings. But the inside, nothing has changed. Until we meet God. Then one day what happens to Jacob? And he arose, this is Genesis chapter 32. And he arose that night and took his two wives and his two female servants and his eleven sons and crossed over the fort of Jacob. Jacob, Jabok, sorry. Jabok. And he took them, sent them over and sent over what he had. And Jacob was left alone. That's exactly what we all need to do. One day we have to come to the time where we are face to face with God and we say, Lord, this is Mera Satya. <laughs> this is my reality. That's exactly what the cross does. God exposed his son completely and make, made him naked so that we don't have to be naked. It was God who completely was crucified for us. He was, there was no guile, no deceit upon him. And when he saw that he could, did not prevail, and so he wrestled with him until the breaking of day. Now when he saw that he did not prevail against him, he touched the sockets of his hip and the socket of Jacob's hip was out of joint as he wrestled with him. And he said, let me go. The day breaks. And then you know what happens? But he said, I will not let you go. So he said to them, what is your name? <laughs> what is your name? What is your name? What is your name? Okay. Now he's saying, Lord, I do not see, I don't want to be seen like a deceiver. I am a deceiver. He's come to the point in his life. It's not like, oh, I don't want to look like a deceiver. No, let's, a lot of people will say like that. No, I don't want to look like a fool. I don't want to look like a poor beggar. Don't make me look so, don't, don't embarrass me. <laughs> Save my face. 
you know what he says i don't want to seem like seem to be a deceiver i want to acknowledge that i am a deceiver and you know what happens things change but he said i will not let you go unless you bless me so he said what is your name jacob and he said your name shall no longer be called jacob for you have struggled with god and with men and you have exactly what happens to the to the to the uh lady who comes the samaritan woman who comes to draw from jacob's well <laughs> right what happens to her the woman left her water pot bent her way into the city and said to the man come see a man who has told me all the things that i ever did could this be the christ said, i don't have to pretend anymore i don't have to be a don't have to be a deceiver anymore i don't want to seem like a deceiver anymore i can come to god and say lord i am a deceiver i am a liar change me god will change us you see acknowledging your problem is half the problem solved understand in fact in fact it's completely solved if you acknowledge your problem and if you accept god's solution it is completely solved. but the problem is many of us don't accept our problem we try to camouflage it we want we don't want people to speak directly to it and say this is a, this is the issue that is the reason why recently we got the the devotion open rebuke is better than what secret love open rebuke is better don't have to i'm not saying that we should always be we should come across very harsh we can speak the truth but in love but unless you speak the truth you don't truly love somebody said if you love without speaking the truth you're not loving if you speak the truth without without loving you're not truthing <laughs> if you have both okay come see a man so you don't have to be deceiver i don't want to seem like that so what has happened the cross one thing it overcomes sin makes you a person who doesn't want to sin but at the at the foot of every problem at this at the root of every problem the problem is that there is a heart which is deceitful about all things and that has to change and the problem with the heart is it likes opinions of men it likes to seem something which is not the old man but god says i will want to make you true true and true look at what it talks about the bride the bride who follows jesus this is the lamb these these are the people who followed the lamb wherever they wherever they went wherever he went it says in revelation chapter 14 verse 4 onwards these are they which were not defiled with women they are virgins these are they which follow the lamb wheresoever he goes these were redeemed from among men being the first fruits unto god and to the lamb and in their mouth was what no guile for they are without fault before the throne of god so where were they living they were living before the throne of god that is the reason why come boldly and confidently to the throne room of grace so that you can obtain mercy and grace in the time of need you don't have to be so the first thing you need to realize that what does a cross do it enables you the work of the cross has done it is he has he's been doing your his work the work is the cross has been doing its work in our lives one thing we will always desire is to overcome sin second thing there will be increased transparency and guilelessness in our lives we'll become we'll become increasingly guileless and increasingly transparent see when they look at jesus how can a man live like this absolutely without guile blessed is a man in his whose spirit there is no guile he doesn't have to pretend because he's been accepted by god if you if you are accepted in the beloved you don't have to pretend okay you don't have to be like jacob 
what is jacob's problem i don't want to seem like a deceiver to my father if before your earthly father you might you might uh, you might be given a certificate as a like a, as a righteous man but before the heavenly father you can never ever ever hide from him okay you have to always give an account you will give an account before him one day so the first thing overcome, overcoming sin second thing overcoming guile third one we overcoming we overcome reviling and a critical and an ungrateful spirit the reviling means what a critical and an ungrateful spirit I'm, I'm, i was i was listening to derek prince in the morning no uh, he says uh, uh, criticism is a is a is a is a demonic spirit so one day uh, he was in the church and uh, uh, this lady came to uh, to derek prince and she said pastor i have a spirit of criticism can you please pray over me and deliver me from the spirit of criticism so he started praying over this lady and at least 10 15 people around her started also got started getting delivered from the spirit of criticism criticism spirit the spirit of criticism ungrateful this is reviling what do they do they revile jesus they always criticized him and what the bible says when he was reviled he did not revile in return he said oh look at you look who's talking you cannot take criticism right i'm mean, look who's talking you're hmm, you're talking he never said that ungrateful spirit critical spirit never ever ever grateful for anything exodus chapter 17 verse 2 this is the septuagint look at what it says in exodus chapter 17 verse 2 the people reviled moses what did they do they reviled moses ungrateful saying give us water that we may drink and moses said to them why do you revile me and why do you tempt god you see the 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 church is compared to a woman in if you if you read through the through the song of songs and they're enjoying each other the husband wants to be with the wife and the wife wants wants to be with the husband and they just love each other's company it's they're singing a love song to each other the entire song of songs is fantastic it's extremely romantic especially if you read it in telugu i mean all the telugu high funda words are used in uh, song of songs okay for rashtramulu bandasandalo tiruguchuna pavarama abba 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 it's called uh, it's a it's a literary classic only in telugu i, I was telling my father the other day i said i have never seen such romantic poem any, written anywhere such romance in telugu in song of songs they are totally and completely in love with each other and they want to be with each other even if this lady is 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 like you know uh, uh is as a little lazy and she says you know what i have to i have put on my night dress now i cannot open and suddenly that his her husband leaves or her, her lover leaves she immediately get, gets up she dresses herself up and she opens the her husband is gone she's running after the husband she wants to be with the husband and the husband wants to be with him you know why because a church is a church which has overcome the spirit of criticism it is a grateful church Otherwise, you will be like the woman in Proverbs chapter twenty-five, verse twenty-four. You know what it says? Proverbs chapter twenty-five, verse twenty-four. Anybody can guess? It is better to dwell on a corner of the roof than with a railing woman in open house. Oh, what an amazing uh, experiential knowledge this is! You should take uh, <laughs> from Solomon. No, Solomon had fantastic uh, wives who gave him fantastic knowledge. <laughs> he said baba this railing ungrateful reviling critical woman now think about no husband who comes back to the house and the wife is always criticizing 
hurry you don't bring money eh? you don't do this you are this you are this you are this whatever you try to do to impress her she is not happy and same thing with the husband also whatever she tries to do to impress you with his with her cooking you are not happy you are always criticizing 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 you think it's going to be a happy home <laughs> you know what if the cross has done its work in your life you know what you know, there's no complaints. There's no complaints at all. You know what Paul says? I learned in all circumstances to be happy. What is that? Rejoice in the Lord always. And I, just in case you forgot. And again, I say rejoice. Okay. That is the reason why, you know, it's a, it's a, repeat, it's a you know, he, he's writing in Greek, but he's thinking like a Hebrew. Hmm? <laughs> because in, in Hebrew, superlative means it is very precious, meaning it is precious, precious. Is very very precious. You know? Okay. So it's like, uh, he's the meekest man on, on the, on the entire face of the earth means you're meek, meek. You are holy among all preachers means it's a triple superlative. You are holy, holy, holy. So he says you have to rejoice. Just in case you forgot. Always and again I say rejoice. So he is like he's writing in Greek, thinking in Hebrew, and he says, you know what, this is what I'm what I'm saying. I learned to be abased, I learned to be abound. Who can separate me from the love of Christ? Can, can famine or nakedness or peril or tribulation? Or whatever. What can I who can separate? Who can separate? In all things, I'm, we are more than conquerors. You know why? I'm not like a brawling woman. My God is at hand. That's what he says. You know, all these things I'm suffering. And who is at hand? Because I'm not a brawling woman. He loves to be with me in my company. He loves to be with me. I never complain. So sometimes Jesus will come and we'll write, you know, he is the silent observer of all our conversations, no? Unseen guest at every meal, no. He says, to that home I don't want to even come ungrateful home. It is like a brawling woman. It is better to be on the rooftop rather than to be in the home. You see? Ungrateful spirit. And you know, one of the significant, like, you know what, every time when Jesus was, was walking on the, on this, on this side of eternity, every time he spoke, what, what, what came out of his mouth was thanksgiving. Lord, Father, I thank you. And he, he, who took the bread and what does it say? He gave thanks and then he broke it. Broke it. And you know what it says in John's, John's, Gospel, John's Gospel chapter 6? It says, uh, they came back to the place where Jesus multiplied bread after giving thanks. It's very specifically mentioned. Let us be thankful, it says in Hebrews. Let us have grace, other translations. So you don't have grace means you are not thankful. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. Rejoice always. Okay. Pray without ceasing. So you will never be able to pray. The, the, the order is very interesting. Unless until you rejoice always, you will not be able to pray without ceasing. Hmm? In everything give. Thanks. Unless and until you rejoice always, you will never be able to give. Thanks. In the other day, you know, I said, uh, thank you, Sami. Sami is not here. I said, thank you, Sami. I said, sir, why, sir? Just in case, no, I just want to credit thanks into your account. Please. <laughs> just credit of thanks, no. Pardon to that, la. <laughs> thanks. This credit. In everything give thanks. And every time you should see, you should see Paul. I thank the Lord for you. I thank the Lord for Timothy. I thank the Lord for Titus. I thank, thank. His life is full of thanksgiving in every situation. You know why? He says, he's got this testimony. The Lord is at hand. Because I'm not like a brawling woman. I never complained. And I'm absolutely comfortable. I'm not comfortable. God is absolutely comfortable in my company. It is not I am comfortable in God's company. <laughs> it is what? God is comfortable in 
my company. How about you? In everything, give thanks for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus. So if the cross has done, your, done its work in, a, in your lives, there will be very little criticism. You'll be thankful. You'll be thankful for your parents. You'll be thankful for your boss. Whatever the boss is, whoever the boss is, you'll be thankful for your husband. You'll be thankful for your brothers and sisters. You'll be thankful for, to God for your enemies. Ultimately, your enemies make you. You know, you'll be, you'll be, I, I like, uh, Djokovic's statement, okay? They asked Djokovic, why do you, how come you become one of the most successful, successful, uh, um, uh, tennis players in this entire, in, in, in this generation? What made you succeed like this? You know what he says? It is because of my opponents. I had Federer and Nadal. And what I am is because of them. The toughest opponents to beat. And what you will become will be because of your enemies. Your enemies actually define you. So that's exactly the reason why Pastor was saying, you know, the other day he says, if the powers of darkness are not being disturbed because of you, then there's something wrong. And you say, I bind you in the name of Jesus. You know, art cats makes the statements. They actually yawn. <gasps> Who's that? Vijay. Okay, I'll leave him. That's right. Next, yeah, what? They yawn. They are not even disturbed. Let us just take a nap now, okay? Are you keep praying? Your house is, we are in your house. We will not be disturbed. I know, we, we know you. Jesus we know. Paul we know. But who are you? The powers of darkness only yawn. You know why? Because they have a critical spirit. Thank God. Thank God for your bank balance. Can you? <laughs> no, Lord. Sorry, Lord. <laughs> nothing there. Thank you, Jesus, for nothing. Because in every situation, give thanks. That is the reason why it says, the fruit of your lips, giving thanks. The fruit of your lips, giving thanks. is a sacrifice of praise. Do not quench the spirit. Do not despise prophesying. Test all things. Hold fast to what is given. Abstain from all Evil. I just put that in context to see this. Thanksgiving is so important. We like not to quench the spirit. We like to not despise prophesying. We want to test all things. We want to abstain from every appearance of evil. We want to rejoice always. We want to pray without ceasing. But in all that, one of the most important things, the will of God is for you to give thanks in all situations. He never reviled. When people criticized him, you take criticism. How do you take criticism? Some criticism you should take with a pinch of salt, of course. I'm not saying that you should always accept all criticism, especially, but you should. You should be objective. Go through, go back, think over it. Be objective with criticism. Sometimes it can be words which are spoken, but you can, as, as we use those, 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 that, that word cliche, if you will, you, know, you can chew the meat and spit out the bones, yeah? Or rather, you can consume the halim and get the meat out, I mean the bones out, because now it's halim season. Luke's Gospel, chapter 17, verse 10. So likewise, when you have done all these things, which you have been commanded, what should you do? You should say, we are unprofitable servants. You see, this is, there's no, there's no, absolutely no complaints there. They are, they, they try to, they criticize him every time. Jesus never, never, ever reviled back in return. When people criticize you, when they challenge your calling, like they challenged Moses' calling. Oh, the Lord speaks by you, through you only, huh? We are also holy. The whole congregation of Israel is holy. Finished. Over. 
they actually they fell flat on their faces before god did you, did you i mean do you remember that 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 story they just flat fell flat on their faces before god they said what are you talking about you do you think it's a small thing that you've been given this ministry are you not grateful so first thing you overcome sin second thing you become increasingly guileless and transparent third thing you become increasingly grateful increasingly grateful and less complaining amen fourth thing you embrace suffering what do you do you embrace suffering see there is suffering without suffering there is no glory look at what it says in hebrews chapter 5 verse 7 onwards who in the days of his flesh this is the way of the cross when he had offered up prayers and supplications with vehement cries and tears to him who was able to save him from death and was heard because of his godly fear though he was a son yet he did he, did what he learned obedience to the things that he suffered so what what is the purpose of suffering therefore what is the purpose of all suffering to make us what obedient why because we are by nature what disobedient according to hebrew efficient chapter 1 chapter 2 and objects of god's wrath the spirit which works in the sons of disobedience it says in efficient chapter 2 the whole purpose of suffering is to make us obedient from where from the heart and in order to do that he puts us through discipline and therefore he says in hebrews chapter 12 if i do not discipline you discipline you you are not legitimate sons you are actually people of the wrong seed So therefore, what do we do? We embrace suffering. This is essentially what we call as the spirit of Christ. Look at what it says in First Peter, First Peter chapter one. Of this salvation, the prophets have inquired and searched carefully, who prophesied of the grace that which that would that that should come upon to uh, come to you, searching what or what manner of time the spirit of Christ who was in them was indicating, the spirit of Christ. Look at that, the spirit of Christ when he testified beforehand the sufferings of Christ and the glories that. would come after it so what do you, when do you have glory only when you have suffered and that's through suffering what you have learned obedience what leads you leads to glory obedience leads to glory not suffering okay suffering doesn't lead to glory obedience leads to glory suffering has to teach obedience and if you are not obedient there's no glory okay so and that obedience has to increase and it is not the just ob- your obedience it's the obedience of christ therefore it says casting down all imaginations and every pretense and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of god and bringing every thought captive and making obedient to the obedience of christ it says so it's a it's an attitude of the mind romans chapter 8 look at the, look at what it says about the spirit of christ romans chapter 8 verse 9 if you do not have the spirit of christ what are you but you are not in the flesh but in the spirit if indeed the spirit of god dwells in you Now, if anyone does not have the what of this spirit of Christ, he does not belong to him. So, if you do not embrace suffering, you are truly, truly not, not 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 born again in the sense that you do not actually experience the life of Christ. And if Christ is in you, the body is dead because of sin, but the spirit is life because of righteousness. What? Why? Why is that? That lot of people don't understand easily. You see, I'll give you an example. Okay, the person I give a let's say a, a question paper to a person. Okay, there's a there's a very complex problem to solve. In the class, I say, solve this problem. 
and we'll discuss a solution in the next class. Okay? Now tell me, who is the person who understands the solution? The person who's tried to solve the problem or the person who says, I'll wait for the professor to solve the problem? What is that? Exactly. The person who tried to solve, he tried different, 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 different ways and he, everywhere he found some, some things that he don't, couldn't understand and he tried and he tried and he tried and he failed. And then he comes to the class and the professor gives a solution. Oh, now I understand. Now the person who never tried, that is the reason why I don't like solution manuals on YouTube, Google. What do you have now? Solution manual. You never try. What is given to you? Solutions. Guide. Yeah. It just kills your originality. Kills that, that, that thirst for, I mean, that, that hunger for, you know, uh, for, for solving more problems. It's gone. It's over. That's the reason I like old professors. You know, they don't, they don't give solutions at all. They never give solutions. They said, try it. You know, I remember one exam we wrote. I got 2 out of 25. I was actually very upset. The highest marks was like 6 or 7 out of 25, something like that in the class. Professor P.R. Kera. Then he said, I'm very disappointed with the class, he said. Now, the thing is that I tried it in the exam for two and a half hours. After I went back home, I got all the solutions. Then he said, okay, fine. I'm giving you an opportunity. Take this as an assignment. Solve all the questions and hand it hand the assignment over to me, but don't copy from each other. Okay. Because Professor P.R. Kerr, we are only 15 students in the class. So if we copy from each other, they will, you'll be caught like that. So we, we, we need, never, never try to do that with Professor P.R. Kerr. So we tried to solve the entire problem. So he, I, I gave the answer sheet to him. I got many of the problems after the, after the exam was over, I got the problems. But you know, during the exam, I did not get it. So anyways, so even in the, in my solutions, he went through every, every equation, no? And then when at one place, I made a terrible blunder. You know what he wrote? Howler, H-O-W-L-E-R. You see, but you know what? And then he showed the solution and he said, boy, what a problem. We started appreciating the problem. And you know why we enjoyed it? Because we tried it. You know why people don't understand the subject? Because they never tried. You never tried. <laughs> you know, remember the last time I was, uh, I tried to, uh, to show you the experiment, right? I called Moses. And I asked him, uh, with opening his eyes, asked him to walk in that straight line. He he walked. And Noah also asked him. He closed his eyes and he walked. And I said, you know, this is what happens in the lab. You have a theory. And it should work in one particular direction. But it completely works on the contrary. I said, you are you are like that in my lab. You know, my, my torture for seven years. And he told Anna, I was actually in the NCC. Even even in the NCC, even with closed eyes, we were uh, we were trained to walk in a straight line. I said, Baba, I called I called the wrong specimen. <laughs> you see, you see, I'm telling you honestly, this is important. When you try, when you try and you fail, when you go through the process of suffering. Look at what Jesus, Jesus' own statements, Jesus' own statements. I want to understand doctrine. So what should I embrace? Suffering. Look at what it says in Luke's Gospel chapter 24. Then he said to them, Oh, you foolish ones, and slow of heart to believe in all that the prophets have prophesied. Now look at the, look at verse 26. Ought not the Christ to have 
suffered first and then entered into the glory. And because you do not have this mind to suffer, you will not be able to understand the Bible. You never tried on your own. You never failed. Basically, failure is a big suffering. You lose face. You're embarrassed. You're caught in the act. And beginning at the prophets and all, uh, and Moses and all the prophets is expounded to them all the scriptures, the thing concerning himself. That is the reason why he told, he told, uh, Peter, 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 he said, I'm going to suffer all these things at Moses. And Peter said, Lord, be it far from you. And he said, get thee behind me, Satan, because you are not mindful of the things of God, but you are mindful of the things of man. And you will never be able to understand the Bible if you do not have the mind to suffer. You'll never. That is the reason why it says in John's Gospel, chapter 7, verse 17, it says, if anyone wills to do the will of God, he will understand the doctrine. If you do not want, if you, if you are not able to understand the doctrine, it's because you never suffered in your mind. You never suffered. That is the reason why it says, have this mind, arm yourself with the same mind for those who have suffered in the flesh has ceased from what? From sin. Christ also suffered in the flesh and he overcomes him, overcame sin. To embrace suffering. And one of the ways to... I mean, voluntarily submit yourself to suffering is to fast. It's a big suffering. Consistently. Okay, so first thing, you begin to overcome sin. Second thing, you become increasingly guileless and transparent. Third, what did I say? What is that? You don't revile. (laughs) You you don't have a critical spirit. And fourth one, you are... You embrace suffering, suffer, suffering. Fifth one. We will allow all vindication into God's hand. This is the most difficult part. Because you want in vindication when? Now. You know, that is, that is Joseph. Joseph never tried to vindicate himself. Have you seen Joseph? What Potiphar sir? I lived with you for so many years. I, I, I did so many, uh, I did, I was, I, I honestly, I worked with all honesty. I worked so hard. You know me, sir. How can you do this to me, sir? How can you do this to me, sir? No vindication. No, try to justify himself. That's it. He embraced it. This is not Genesis 54. This is, <laughs> sorry. Oh, can you say Genesis? That is a howler. You see, this is Isaiah 54. This is Isaiah 50, not Genesis 54. Isaiah 54. Okay. Again, howler. Save as PDF. I'm gonna replace it. It'll, it'll, it'll appear on your screen. Okay. So, Isaiah 54. No weapon that is formed against you will succeed. And you will condemn every tongue that accuses you in judgment. Why? Because this is the heritage of the servants of the Lord and there, aha, vindication comes from me. That is the reason why, if you are the son of God, come down. No, 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 no. You see, even after he rose from the dead, he never showed himself except to the disciples. Isn't it amazing? Yeah, I rose from the dead. Did I not tell you? See now. He did not go to the pinnacle of Jerusalem and show himself. No. One day, it is going to happen. When? Every knee shall bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord. 
This is the NASB translation. I love the NASB translation 5417. Because their vindication comes from God. You see, if God has vindicated you, doesn't matter if anyone else vindicates you or doesn't vindicate you. If any, everybody vindicates you and God doesn't vindicate you, finished, over. That is the reason why, you know what Paul says, I don't need recommendation letters from you. We never ask for your recommendation letters. And he says, I never even tried to justify myself. I don't even say Sabash to myself. Even if my conscience doesn't condemn me. Sabash Paul, you're a righteous man. No, 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 no. One day, God is going to vindicate me. All the thoughts are going to come out that day. And that day, everybody will receive his reward and his wages from God. You see, never, never. This is a picture of Joseph. Joseph never, he went, he went into prison. He never tried to vindicate himself. I mean, this is remarkable, isn't it? Look at what it says in Genesis chapter 40. Uh, this is uh, when Pharaoh's prisoners come uh, to to uh, to him. This is the only time he uses some words, but he never ever mentions the people who have wronged him, the people who have who have uh, who have uh, mistreated him. Nothing. Look at what it says in Genesis 40, verse 14 onwards. Only keep in mind when it goes well for you, and please do me a kindness by mentioning me to Pharaoh. And get me out of this prison. You know why? You know, Potiphar's wife, you know, she wrong. No, no, no Potiphar's wife mentioned. No brothers are mentioned. Nothing. Look at what he says. For I was in fact kidnapped from the land of the Hebrews. And even here, I have done nothing that should have, that should have put me into the dungeon. No, nothing. But he never allowed. So once, and you know what, the, the, the funny thing is that after uh, the cupbearer leaves the prison, what happens? The Bible says, he for God. So, you know what God was telling Joseph? Joseph, the time for your vindication is not yet, not now. There's still time for it. After how many years? Two and two years at least, I think. I, I believe it. If you read the account about two years later, Pharaoh has it. And we know what happens after that? When he's vindicated by Pharaoh? Someone, some of the most powerful statements. This is Genesis chapter 45. Now, therefore, it was not... It was not you who sent me here. This is this is he telling his uh, uh, his brothers, but God. And what? Look at what it says. He made me a father to Pharaoh. Pharaoh ko thundri, hmm? Lord of his, all his household. Prabhu, and then ruler over all the land of Egypt. Look at this. This is vindication of God. What a statement this is! I mean, this is like the climax of Joseph's life. <laughs> See. If you patiently follow the process that God has put you through. Anyway, have you ever seen in the Bible? Bible never ever ever talks about the success stories of the people in the world. Have you seen? He worked so hard. He was, he had this, he had this and therefore, no, it says the Lord blessed, the Lord blessed, the Lord gave, the Lord anointed, the Lord blessed. It was all about the Lord. And even Daniel's, Daniel's story, the Lord gave Daniel. And Shadrach, Meshach, I mean, Hananiah, Mishra, and Azariah, the wisdom to understand all the things of the, of the, of the, of the Chaldeans, then they found, they were found ten times better. And the Lord gave Daniel the gift of interpretation. Everything the Lord gave, the Lord gave, the Lord gave. The Lord was with Joseph, and he succeeded. The Lord was with David, and he succeeded. The Lord was with, and every success story in the Bible, if you, if you see, it is all about God and not about man. It's all about God. 
And in fact, if there is any success story without God, without without uh, God, they get actually get destroyed. If you see the story of Cain, do you think Cain was unsuccessful? At, at least in, in, in as far as the things of the world are concerned, no. He goes and builds a city. He's he's a man who starts uh, fine arts. He's a he's a he, he's a man who starts music, etc., etc. He's building towns. He's building cities. He's becoming ostensibly successful, but in the sight of God, he's a goner. You see, understand this. Vindication comes from God. Now, therefore, it was not you who sent me here, but God. That is the reason why he says, you meant it for harm, but God turned it around for good. There was never a vindication. First Peter chapter 5. So, what do you do? You younger men, likewise, be subject to your elders. Be subject to your elders. And all of you, clothe yourselves with humility. Meaning, what is vindication? Meaning, let God give you the promotion. You don't, don't try to ever promote yourself. Don't ever, ever skirt the process of, of, of God to bring promotion into your life. Whatever it is, whether it is in the kingdom or in, in the world, let God take you through the process. Remember, it says, he sent a man before them. Who was that? Joseph, who was laid in irons until the irons uh, entered into his soul and then he was he was put in prison and then one day Pharaoh called him. And then he was vindicated. See, do whatever you do as unto God, but not as unto man. Who is a real Jew? Um, a real Jew is the one who's, who says, you know what? My praise is from God and not from man. I do, I do not work as a man pleaser, but a God pleaser. Ultimately, I have to give an account to God. That, that is the reason why Paul tells Timothy, he says, study to show yourself what? Approved unto God. A workman that needeth not be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Ultimately, vindication has to come from God. Clothe yourselves with humility toward one another because God is opposed to the proud and he gives grace to the humble. And he goes on to say, therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God so that he may exalt you in the proper time. This is a time of exaltation. And when is the time? Actually in eternity. See, here, if you are exalted, I mean, even if that exaltation comes in the process with God, God's process is still tension. I mean, I mean, at least, I mean, that's what I feel. You know, there's a, there's a saying in, um, my dad, when, when he was, when we were growing, he said, uneasy lies the head that wears the crown. Uneasy lies the head that wears the, oh, look at him, Baba. He's got all the power, all the money, everything. No, 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 no. You should see what tension he goes through in the night. Their responsibility, the enormity of the burden that he has to carry. Even Apostle Paul, you know what he says, I had so many problems, all these external uh, tribulations that I'm going through. But more than that, the weight and the burden of the churches that is upon me. He was called the wise master builder who, who built the church. He laid the foundations as a wise, wise master builder. He was given the, uh, the, 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 uh, the, uh, the position of apostleship over so many churches. But that is still not true exaltation. Exaltation comes on the other side. He will exalt you at the proper time. So what do you do? Cast all your anxiety upon him. Okay? Don't ever try to vindicate you. Don't say. Don't say. Just, just wait. Cool. You know? One of the things that you have to practice, talk less. Don't open your mouth too much. Because I, I like what pastor said the other day, no? Time is a revealer. It's already revealing what is coming, what, what you truly are. So, why do you want to reveal? <laughs> too much. No, <laughs> because ultimately your words reveal your character. Just allow 
the the, the process to take its uh, have its uh, have its uh, full full effect in your character having cast all your anxiety on him because he cares about you be sober of spirit be on the alert your adversary the devil what does he do he prowls like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour so what do you do allow come come under authority submit to authority allow the process and god will give you whatever god has to give you according to your ability he will give you through the process joshua submitted to the process and god exalted him in the proper time elisha submitted to the process and god exalted him in the proper time jesus submitted to the process and god has exalted him and he gave him a name above every name submit submit to the process meaning don't try to be anything before your time even if it is right allow the vindication that god to be your vindicator luke's gospel chapter 2 look at what it says this is what is about jesus jesus own words i mean this is about jesus own life and he went down with them and what did he do he came to nazareth and he continued to be what subject to them and his mother treasured all these things in her heart. And Jesus kept on increasing. This is the NSB. It says, uh, Jesus increased. Other translation we use the word. Jesus increased in wisdom. He says, Jesus kept on increasing in wisdom and in stature, in favor with God and in favor with man. You know why? Because he came and submitted himself to every ordinance of God. He never ever tried to vindicate his, his deity even to his parents. What, what problem do you have in your home? Uh, actually, food is over. Let me do some magic. No. He never ever used any of his, of his anointing or if any of his power, any of his deity for any of, for his own good. No, he never tried to do that. In fact, when he, when he, uh, healed the guy who was at the pool of Bethesda, you know what he does? He quietly comes, heals him and he goes off from the other side. His, his brother says, if, if you are true, if you are, if you truly want to show yourself to the disciples, you should go and show yourself in Jerusalem. You know what he says? My time is not yet come. Your time is already now. For your time is when? Now. I'm not going to exalt myself before my time. I'm going to submit myself to the process. So vindication comes from where? From God. That is the cross, cross in us. Okay. Submit to the process. Don't circumvent the process. Don't skirt the process. Submit, submit. I'm telling you honestly, my dear brothers and sisters, this is important. If you really, really want exaltation to come from God. See, if you try to do it for and try to promote yourself, it will not last. It will just go off. Success without God is fleeting. So what, what should happen to the cross in us? Let us summarize. First thing, we begin to overcome sin and to begin to meet the standards of God in increasing measure. Okay, increasing measure. Okay, your own, the way you are overcoming sin. Little by little, little by little, it has to happen. It has to happen. If the cross is doing its work in our lives, you have to overcome sin because his name is Jesus and he shall save his people from what? From their sin. From their sin. And you will overcome sin. Meaning you will stop doing the things that you are not supposed to do. You will do the things that you are supposed to do. You will not transgress the commandment of God. You will increasingly walk by faith and not by sight. Meaning, walking by faith will increase. That means what? Obedience will increase. Your standards, meaning, meaning what, what does it mean? You are submitting yourself to the standards of God. You are allowing the word of God to control you. And the spirit of God to direct your paths. I'm telling you honestly, how much God saved you and me from? 
thank God he did not leave us to our own ways. And we brought us, whatever it is, whatever painful process that he has brought us through. But he has brought us. Thank God for that. So, overcome sin and begin to meet the standards of God in increasing manner. How do you do that? When you obey from the heart that form of teaching that you've been delivered to. First thing. Second thing. We become, we become increasingly transparent and guileless. We fight that liar inside of us, that Jacob, who wants to see, he wants to, he seems, he wants to seem to be like a righteous man to his father. I don't want to seem like a deceiver to my father. See that? Become increasingly transparent and guileless. We overcome reviling, meaning a critical and ungrateful spirit. Fourth, we embrace suffering. And fifth one, we allow all vindication where? Under God's hand. This is the work of cross in us. So keep doing what you are supposed to do. You know, I, 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 whatever the statements I keep telling myself all the time. Put your head down and get to work. What is that? <laughs> you can say that to yourself too. Put your head down, get to work. Put your head down, get to work. Don't look to the left. Don't look to the right. Get, who's getting exalted? Who's not getting exalted? Who's getting appreciated? Who's not getting appreciated? No, 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 no. Keep your head down and get to work. You know why? Because I take that words of Jesus Christ, God seriously. If you do well, you will be accepted. What is that? I said that again. If you do well, you will be accepted. And again, another thing. A man should receive nothing except it is given to him by God. So allow all vindication to come from God's hand. Amen? Let us pray this morning. Let us pray. Keep these things in your heart. One of the tough, tough, tough things for all of us is, I believe, I'm sure, is to become transparent and guileless. To don't, do not pretend. <clears throat> because we are all pretenders. Let's pray. Father in heaven, when we see the cross, Father, your son, never tried to vindicate himself. <clears throat> when he was threatened and they asked him, and he, he asked them, whom do you seek? They said, Jesus of Nazareth. And for a brief moment, he showed them his glory when he said, I am. And they fell backwards. But after that, he just wrapped himself and he embraced the will of his father. And he told Peter, put your sword down. If I ask my father, will he not send me 12 legions of angels to save me? Never tried to vindicate himself. But Lord, we get offended with little criticism. Forgive us. So many times we work unto man and not unto God. We fast unto men and not unto God. We do not pray in secret. We don't have a prayer life. Genuine prayer life. And truly Lord, the secret of our prayer life is to pray in secret Lord. I pray Father that we will all embrace that. We don't want to have a name for ourselves. 
But we do, we have it in our flesh. I pray, Father, that we will increasingly put that to death. We will seek to have a life which is without offense before God first and then before man. For even Jesus increased in favor, first with God and then with man. Truly, Lord, you seek truth in our inward parts. And in our inward parts, you make us to know wisdom. The whole time David was pretending that he was righteous. But he was miserable. Because he would he could sense the spirit not with him. And he said, Lord, do not take, cast me away from your presence. Do not take away your Holy Spirit from me. And when he confessed his sin, Lord, you said, I put away your sin. Only to one man among so men, so many men who confessed. Even Pharaoh said, I sinned. Even Balaam said, I sinned. Judas said, I sinned. Saul said, I sinned, O Lord. But only David's sin, you said, I put away your sin. Because he truly, truly wanted his vindication to come from God and not from man. And therefore, I pray, Lord, in each one of us, you'll find many of us, if not all of us, who truly would want to live a life which is without offense, without guile, which is word of which which is, which has which is a which has a clear conscience before God and before man. Work, O oh Lord, in us. Enable us not to be like Jacob. We are all Jacob, O Lord. Who wanted to be something he was not. And Lord, let us reject every teaching which empowers our iniquity. And not strengthen our integrity. Enable us to be like Job. Who when when she was confronted, when he was confronted by his wife, he said, how long will you hold fast to your integrity? Curse God and die. And he said, you talk like a foolish woman. Shall we accept only good from God and not evil? Lord, these saints, O Lord, they put us to shame. I pray, Father, that you would find in us that attitude, at least in some measure, and let it increase, O Lord. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord, for this time that you have given to us. Let the cross do his work, its work in our lives in increasing measure, even as we submit to the leading of your word. Thank you once again, O Lord, for this time. Even as we go about the rest of the day, I pray, Father, that, Lord, you would prepare us. You would prepare us. You would teach us your ways. Show us your paths. And let the cross do its work in increasing measure in our lives. Thank you, Father. We praise you. We worship you. We give you glory. For in Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. Amen. God bless you.